Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. A tremendous picture of what love really is. And he talks about some things that love does in verses 4 and 5 here in 1 Corinthians. I'm going to use other phrases than the ones that are quoted there in verses 4 and 5, but as you follow along, you will notice that the idea certainly corresponds. When he says, love suffers long, I want to translate that to love is patient. Love is patient. Had you been a Greek, back in the days of the writings of the New Testament, and had you listened to Aristotle, the great philosopher of the Greek culture, you would have discovered that it was the teaching of that culture and of Aristotle himself that a virtue in the mind of the Greek people dealt with refusing to back down, being ready to retaliate or to strike back or to cast insult or injury. There was no virtue in tolerance, no virtue in love, no value to turning the other cheek. But Jesus taught, and it was carried on with his disciples, an entirely different philosophy. And that is, if we are to be like God, then we will demonstrate some things that are contrary to what the Greeks taught. That we will not retaliate and strike back because we have been injured, but that we will do the very opposite. We will put the welfare of other people before ourselves. That's love. It is not love to feel like that we must be first and foremost. It is not love to feel like that we must always have the high place, the position of respect or honor. It is love who is the person who will serve without any thoughts of remuneration, who will give of themselves without any concern as to what might be given in return. This is what Jesus taught. And in Romans 12, 17, he said, Render to no man evil for evil. To no man. Not only to the Christian did he say that, but that we are to render no evil to any person in return for the evil that is rendered against us. That's hard to take, but that's the teachings of Jesus. And that makes us as his followers different than the Greeks of the New Testament days who would retaliate because they didn't like that which was cast in their teeth. We would be like Stephen, in the book of Acts, we have his story as he was stoned, looked up into heaven, and he prayed unto the Lord, 
And as the stones crushed upon his body, as they stoned him to to death, he prayed, Lord, have mercy on them. Lord, forgive them. Similar words that Jesus prayed from the cross of Calvary. When he looked down upon the soldiers that stood at the foot of his cross and upon the the other people who were there, many of the Pharisees and Sadducees and the common people of the Jewish race who did not know what they were doing, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. This is love, when one will be patient in times when people are are giving us times of difficulty. I want to go over to the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 38 and following. A very important verse, or series of verses, when Jesus said, and this, if you have a red letter edition, you will find that these are in red letters, meaning that Jesus stated this. He said, ye have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That was the Old Testament law. But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil, that whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile with him, go to. Give to him that asketh of thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Ye have heard, it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you, and do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Those are the Lord's words about love and our relationship to each other, to our neighbors, to our friends, and to our enemies. Our life should be one of patience, never giving in return except love. He goes on to say in the next phrase in 1 Corinthians that love is kind. The word kind is an action word. It talks about not what we think or what we feel. It's talking about what we do. Love is useful. Love is service. It is not enough to feel kind. It's more important to be kind. It is not enough to feel the presence of the Spirit of God within us. It's more important to demonstrate His presence by our actions with each other. Jesus said there in Matthew 38 that if someone wants to take your coat, give it to him and offer him your shirt as well. If he commands you to go two miles, do it. Or a mile. But go another one. Just for good measure. Give him in return kindness. He means it to you for evil. But you and I are to return it for good. Thirdly, he says love is not jealous. 
Love envieth not, the King James says. You know what jealousy is? Jealousy is two things. Let me, let me give you two things. Jealousy says, I want what you have. But jealousy also says, I wish you didn't have what you have. And I want to take it away from you. That's what jealousy is. But love will divest itself of jealousy and will say, not I want what you have, but will say, I am glad you have what you have. It will not say, I want to take what you have, but love will give on top of what they have. That's what love is. Jealousy says, I wish evil on you. Love says, I wish good for you. In the Old Testament, we have the story of Solomon. A very wise man, the wisest that there ever was in this world, save Jesus himself who had two women come to him on one occasion, and they had a child. Each of the women claimed that they were the mother of the child. Solomon could not tell by looking at the women who owned the child, who was actually the mother. One obviously wanted to steal the child. The other obviously was the rightful mother. And so Solomon said, I'll tell you ladies what I'll do. I'm going to divide that child in half, and I'm going to give each of you half. The one who was not the true mother said, yes, go ahead, divide it in half, and we'll each take half. But the real mother said, no, no, don't do that. Give my child to her. That was love. Solomon found out in that experience who the real mother was, and of course restored the child to the rightful mother. Jealousy drives a wedge between people. Love brings people together. It was Cain's jealousy that caused him to kill his brother, Abel. It was jealousy that caused Daniel to be cast into the lion's den. It was jealousy that the prodigal's brother expressed when his Long lost brother came wandering back on hands and knees and begged to be taken back into the family. And it may seem strange to you, but you know, I have run into people who really are not interested in seeing people saved. They rather they stay the prodigal. They rather they stay away from church. We as God's people are not the ones who decide who come and who don't come to church. We as God's people who love will invite and encourage every person of this world to our church. Every person. Regardless of race, creed, color, background, or what it might be. We are the house of God here on the side of this road with a steeple reaching toward God that says, this is God's house, come to worship God. 
This is where we ought to be. Exerting love from our hearts to every person of this community to win them to Jesus Christ and to bring them into a fellowship where we can together love and worship our Lord. But jealousy will drive people away. The Lord said, love is not jealous. He goes on to say that love does not brag. Vaunteth not itself means does not brag. Some people are very conceited. And all they want to do is have themselves put in the limelight. Everybody look at them and say, my, what a wonderful person you are. All of you have experienced those individuals. They're never satisfied unless they're the center of attraction. Remember in high school, there was always one girl or one fella that everybody sort of looked to and the, the poor little ugly duckling sit over to the side and got no attention. That person who got all of that attention grew up to be one who felt that he deserved all of this attention and respect. And all he could do was stand around and brag about their accomplishments. But love doesn't do this. Love is the person who, when coming into a group, will take the lesser seat, as Jesus said, and then if they're deserving, someone will say, come on, come up a little higher. Love serves. Love is not to be served. This is what Jesus was when he, in that final meal, took the towel and wrapped it around his waist and a bowl of water and went down the line and washed the disciples' feet because he had come to serve, and that's what we are to do. We are the servants, not the king. Love does not brag about how important and valuable one is. But love prays the prayer of the public woman. He says, woe is me, for I'm under. God be merciful to me, a sinner. That's what love is. Well, let's go on. Love does not act unbecomingly. Verse 5. Unseemly. Love is not rude. Love does not have poor manners. Love does not try to outdo others. Love acts like Jesus would act. There are many Christians that interfere with the message of the gospel by acting like a non-Christian. Acting like a pagan, acting rude, acting with poor manners, acting sarcastically. Love doesn't do that. If 
we want to drive people away from our church, be rude, be sarcastic, show idiotic poor manners, we won't have to wonder about building a bigger building to seat people because there won't be any people. If we want to fill our church full of people worshiping God, we'll do it because we express love, and love attracts arrogance and poor manners and rudeness detract and drive people away and cause them to say, I want no part of a congregation like that. But love draws. The disciples were in that upper room waiting the coming of the Holy Spirit. They did some bickering and fussing, trying to figure out who was going to be the leader and all kinds of things and probably accusing each other for causing the Lord's death. And after it was all settled and they finally came to a point of being of one accord, then the Holy Spirit was able to come and work through them. When we're of one accord in love, the Holy Spirit will win souls to Jesus Christ. Love does not seek its own. Love does not insist on its own way is really what that's saying. Philippians 2.4 says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. You can interpret that lots of ways. But really what it is saying is, Love is not so much concerned about itself as love is concerned about the welfare of the other one. That's what love does. What love is. Love does not think about eating a banquet when he knows his neighbor has crumbs. Love does not think about dressing in the finest of clothing when he knows his neighbor is cold or he has no coat. Love does not think that we have God to ourselves, and we will keep him and enjoy the bliss of our own services, but love is that which shares that which we have with those who have not. And when it comes to salvation, love is that person who will, in whatever way possible, demonstrate that he is a Christian. I thought the Sunday school lesson this morning made such a wonderful point uh, that was brought out at least in the class downstairs. And that is we don't have to tell people we're Christian. They'll find it out just by the way we act. If somebody has to ask you, are you a Christian, it's time to begin to wonder, what are you saying with your life? But if someone says to you, there's something different about you, what is it? Love showing through. And you're making your point or you're interested in the welfare of the other, and then when you can say, 
Well, I can tell you what happened to me. I became a Christian. I accepted the Lord Jesus as my Savior. That's what happened. Love does not provoke, he goes on to say. Which means love does not get aroused to anger. Love does not fly off the handle. That doesn't mean that love doesn't get angry. We need folk at time to get angry. We need to be angry at the drug traffic of our community. We need to be angry at the alcoholism that we see. We need to be angry at the, the abuse of children and wife beatings that go on in our community. Those things need to make us angry. And we ought to work with that kind of furor that against those things as Jesus became angry in the temple when the people had made the house of God nothing but a den of thieves and he made himself a whip and drove them physically out of that building with a whip on their backs. He was angry, but he was angry rightfully because God's name and God's house was being abused and God's people were being exploited. We need that kind of anger, but we don't find Jesus being angry when he was whipped, when he was spat upon, when he was placed upon the cross, he gave his life willingly and freely and took the abuse that was given to him by his enemies and was not provoked as a sheep before his shearers. He was dumb, the scripture says. That we need to be before those who will abuse us because of our faith, we will not return evil for evil. We will accept that which is given in silence, and we will pray a prayer, Father, forgive them, or they don't know what they're doing. And lastly, let me say, this series of two verses that love does not think evil. You really know what that says? Love does not keep an account of that which is done to us that was wrong. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, well, let me go to it. I just have to go to it and read it. I think it's an important verse. And with this, we'll try to close. Second Corinthians 5.19 God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing that is not laying up charges not counting their trespasses unto them and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation God does not keep an account of the sins that we have committed after we have said, Father, forgive me. The slate is wiped clean. If you today would ask God to remember your sin yesterday for which you ask forgiveness, his response would have to be to you, what sin? 
I have no record of that sin. For it was washed clean. Your record has been wiped clean. The slate is not marred with a record. He did not count our sins and hold them against us because in Jesus Christ on the cross, when we accepted him as Lord and Savior, every sin from that point backward was wiped away. And today we have the opportunity as we sin to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I sinned. I know I did. And you can weep tears of bitterness. You can do whatever you want to do. But in the end, you can say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And he wipes the slate clean. Did you hear that? He does not keep a record of those things for which we have been forgiven. That's what we need to do in return with each other. What sin? I remember no such thing because your slate with me and I hope mine with you has been wiped clean by our love for each other. No record, no account. Love does not think evil. God forgives us in such a mighty way that we can go the beginning of every day with a clean slate and there would be nothing on it of our past sins. Can we not do likewise with each other? Forgive, wipe clean, because we love as Jesus loved us. Shall we pray? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.